Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Let's roll, baby. It is a very special edition of New York, New York. And I promised you that we would take Monday and Tuesday off after the euphoria of the Knicks winning game three and game four. I, I thought maybe I could get a little R&R on a Monday after running a half marathon. But as we welcome in our special guest to start the show, Mr. Sean Fennessy, Fennessy, Aaron Rodgers does not allow me to have any days off and I get to spend <laughs> some time with you. So welcome back to New York, New York. Life is good. How are you, pal? Thanks, JJ. I'm good, brother. And it's only fitting, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been holding us Jets fan hostage for Four months now, so you had to be held hostage one more day on this show. Happy to be with you. Yeah, and listen, there's a lot to dissect here, and we'll get to your giddiness and my giddiness surrounding the New York Knickerbockers in a little bit. Um, I'm going to start here. Do you have an issue at all with what the Jets gave the Green Bay Packers? And I understand, look, Aaron Rodgers was only going to go and play in one place. People are going to say that the Green Bay Packers had no leverage. Here's the bottom line out of me, Fantasy. If the Jets are good next year, and Aaron Rodgers is a quality top 10 NFL quarterback, I don't care what they gave up. Now, I'm not a Jeff fan. I'm not trying to pretend that I am. I will defer to you on this. Did you see the price tag today, and did it annoy you? Okay, I want to preface this by saying I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form about Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback of the Jets. I'm incredibly excited. This is the most excited I've been about a quarterback probably since Chad Pennington. But 
I, did, did it did it have to be a conditional second to a first for that final pick? You know, like I there's a part of me, or do we have to let them pick swap? There, it's it felt like maybe just a little bit too much based on my understanding of what the leverage was. But even still, even if they just make the playoffs this year and Aaron Rodgers retires immediately after that, I think it's still worth it. I think ultimately it's still a trade that you have to make because this has been the most depressing sports franchise for almost 15 years now. And they hold the lead for the longest drought, playoff drought in all of professional sports right now. And so they needed to do something dramatic. And so if it means two twos and a pick swap, so be it. I'm right there with you. Look, I would have preferred in a perfect world, which is talking about the two second round picks. And when they made that Elijah Moore trade a couple of weeks ago, I kind of was of the assumption that they were taking one of those second round picks and it was immediately going right to the Green Bay Packers. So one of those picks you knew was going to be bye-bye. Where I was a little surprised, Fennessey, as to what you just alluded to, the fact that it goes from a second round pick to a first round pick, if we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, playing 60% of the snaps, give or take. But I'd say, Fennessy, the only way this ends up being an out-and-out disaster for the Jets is one of two ways. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and does not, you know, do the job for the Jets and basically plays maybe 70% of the games and the Jets go 7-10 and and they miss the playoffs. Or it's the idea that he plays poorly. And even if he does play, the Jets go and miss the playoffs. If they go win 10, 11 games, they've had a zillion picks to begin with over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm letting this slide, dude. It, it, let, let me put it this way. It's not keeping me up at night if I'm a Jet fan. Broadly speaking, I'm so, so excited for the season. I haven't been this excited to watch the team play in a long, long time. And obviously part of that was the incredible start they got off to last year. This plethora of young talent that they have. They're really in a, a what seems like a very good position. If you're going to be pessimistic, and it's hard to not be pessimistic as a Jets fan, honestly, because it's been a bad, bad, bad decade. You look at the offensive line and you're like, is this really the offensive line that is going to protect the 39-year-old quarterback? They just announced they re-signed Connor McGovern to play center this year. There's speculation that they're going to draft a tackle, but that they're also going to try to go with Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton. Will they draft a tackle? It's unclear. Will that tackle play? I heard a rumor today that they're thinking about trading out of 15 now and maybe sliding back to take a center. That's interesting. Maybe that's a way to replenish those second and third round picks that they're missing. I don't know. It's a tricky thing. But if Rodgers plays and Rodgers throws 30 touchdowns, he sort of automatically has a top three or four Jets quarterback season ever. I mean, it's it's staggering. If you look at the history of quarterback play for this team, it is awful, like truly awful for 60 years. So just an above average, regular old Aaron Rodgers season would be more to cheer about than really we've had in decades. So I just have to keep falling back on that fact. Well, think about it for a minute. Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015 probably has a top four all-time Jet quarterback season. And I understand the era is different and the numbers are different, but that was a year in which the strength of the team was the passing attack. And it was Fitzpatrick to Marshall and it was Fitzpatrick to Decker and they beat the Patriots the second to last week of the year and they should have gone to the playoffs. But We know what happened the final week of the year. The desperation of this, to me, fantasy is everything. And a lot of people have asked me, what will be a successful tenure for Aaron Rodgers as New York Jets quarterback? And there are some in my life who are like, well, they got to get to and they got to win a Super Bowl. Now, maybe this is me, again, not being a Jet fan, but when you go, I don't know, a decade without playing in a playoff game, 
when you have not sniffed winning your division in longer than a decade. If the Jets go to the playoffs this year, and let's say Aaron Rodgers goes on the road and wins a playoff game and then falls short and loses to uh, a Mahomes or loses to a Burrow and they're out in the second round and it decides after one year, you know what, I've had enough. That's that's it for me. I don't want to play anymore. It's been fun, but I'm out of here. I, I don't know how you deem that a failure considering how pathetic the franchise has been. What will, in your eyes, deem the Aaron Rodgers jet tenure a success? I think go. I think going to the playoffs and this young core of guys going to the playoffs, at least the first season, ideally two of two seasons, is enough. Uh, you know what I thought of? In 2015, I was working with our, our pal Bill Simmons, and we were in the Grandland offices. It was February, and Isaiah Thomas was traded to the Boston Celtics. And the Celtics that season, I think, were kind of a middling franchise. They were maybe a couple of games over 500, and then... Thomas actually went on and had a really strong couple of years with the Celtics and kind of elevated them from like, you know, a seven seed to a four seed. And then those teams got a lot of playoff experience. And I remember at the time saying to Bill, like, I don't know what the point of this is. This takes you from like a 42-win team to like a 48-win team. And then you're just in kind of this middle ground purgatory. But Thomas, you know, things didn't end well with him, but him going there helped some of those players learn to win, learn how to be successful. That was a huge deal for the culture of that team. And now look, we're less than 10 years later, the Celtics are probably the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title. Not all those players are there that were there back then, but it was a cultural kind of a shift. And the Jets really need that. They need, like you, if you see the way that Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and those guys are tweeting today, they're fired up. They're ready to go. They want to play today because they played with Zach Wilson last year. And you know, Zach Wilson, God bless him, he's going to be on this team. He sucks. So maybe he won't suck after a couple of years sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. But the excitement that that offense is going to have every day, knowing that they have a chance to compete because they're playing with a Hall of Famer, is really exciting. Whether or not, I mean, I wanted to ask you this, Dolphins fan that you are, I still think it's pretty solid that they're the third best team in that division. And so knowing that, that means it's not going to be an easy route to the playoffs either. No, and listen, I think you can make a case for any of these three teams going into the year. Buffalo, who has won the division basically every year since 2020, they're going to be favored. I think the Jets are going to be a little overvalued in the betting market because it is Aaron Rodgers, it is New York City, there's that sort of sex appeal to it, fantasy, so people are going to bet the Jets to go and win the Super Bowl. And listen, my team is super dangerous if Tua is going to be able to stay on the field, which is the monumental if for them going into 2023. But I kind of see it as a three-horse race within the division. And more than anything, Fennessy, you mentioned the idea of the young players gaining that experience and the idea that, hey, they're learning how to win. It also gives the franchise, no matter what happens a year or two from now, legitimate credibility where it's not the laughingstock Jets. It's now the Jets, hey, they went to the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers or... Hall of Fame quarterback, wanted to come and play for the organization. It it doesn't make you the butt of all jokes that the Jets have been now for about a decade. But what happens if the deal goes through, the Jets are on six times on primetime this season, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in week four, they finish four and 12 or four and 13, and then they're also giving up their first round pick because Rodgers is coming back next year. That's... You painted, my friend, the absolute worst case scenario for the New York Jets. Where it's you have not to sit out through, of the realm of possibility, right? 
Well, the guy never gets hurt. That's the one I thing I would say. And I don't want to put the mush and the kibosh on you. So please, Aaron Rodgers, but I don't want to be responsible for an injury here. I don't want <laughs> fantasy cursing me out in week four, <laughs> week five, because we put this in the air. But that's one thing he has going for him, Sean. He plays, dude. He's always played throughout his career. He he always stays healthy. He's just at an advanced age, you know? And he, last year, a lot of the below average performance was attributed to the fact that many people thought he was hurt. Who really knows the truth? I've said this before when people have asked me about it. And I've been talking about Aaron Rodgers nonstop for four months because of how miserable things have been. When Before he kind of went weird, and he's obviously been a pretty weird guy for went the last weird. few years. But he went weird publicly. But before that, he was without question my favorite football player to watch play. I found him to be absolutely magnetic and exactly what I wanted a quarterback in, in, in a quarterback. Big arm, incre- improvisational, had legs, had a great relationship with his playmakers, and just had like a swagger. He had an FU confidence that I always found so appealing. Now, obviously, he's a much more complicated figure in the public eye right now. He's, he's older. But there were even moments last year when I watched him and I was like, he's still got a little bit of that FU. And coming to New York and people doubting him and this being a you know such a morbid franchise for so long, there's an opportunity for one last chapter in his story that I think would be really exciting. Now, we did go through this 14 years ago with, with I was going to say, where were you on Favre when they got Favre? I didn't know you at the time, obviously. Were you stoked that they got Favre? Because I had Jeff fans in my life who loved it. I had Jeff fans in my life who hated it because they wanted to see Chad Pennington continue to be the quarterback. Uh, I, I feel like more Jeff fans with this move, it's far more of a united front, I think. It's kind of a no-brainer. Because of the desperation, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is more of a no-brainer. I wasn't against Favre. I didn't like Favre as much as a, a, as a player as I did Rodgers. But, and, and the thing with Favre is that, that Favre in many ways was kind of like the, the complete contrast to Pennington's style. You know, he was a gunslinger. He threw a lot of interceptions, but he had a huge arm. And he had the ability to make extraordinary plays. Chad, obviously, very different kind of quarterback, like focused on accuracy, working inside of a system, you know, you know, checking down, always making the right decision. It was interesting to watch Favre before he got hurt excel. I mean, that really could have been a very good team. And I think the whole Mangini era could have been completely different if he didn't get injured that year. A lot of sliding door possibilities with that Favre situation. But th- this... This is different. This is just a player that I like watching more. This is someone who I'm more excited about. I think people thought that Favre was washed when he got traded too. And it's, it seems like the jury is still out on if Rodgers is done or not. I, I pray to God he's not. So you will sign right now, Sean Fennessy. 10 wins, playoffs. Do you need a playoff win next year? <laughs> it depends on who they're playing. Um, so I, I have to revisit this question in November or December is what you're telling me. I think me. so. I mean, think about a Jets-Dolphins playoff game. In, I mean, in, you want to kill me? You, you want to take 10 years off of my life? You I might. mean, won't that be crazy, though? I mean, the what? audience, you want to talk about the audience turning on their beloved hosts. That will, <laughs> that'll happen for a good chunk of them. Although, hopefully, the Giant fans end up siding with me if that ends up happening in fantasy. You know, we'll have uh, our lines drawn in the New York, New York audience. The thing that I'm terrified of is just being haunted by the Jags for the next 10 years because of the Lawrence thing. I mean, I, we've talked about And you should before. have had him. I mean, you completely he should, screwed he the should pooch be on that. He yes. just to, And to me, he's like, I kind of feel like that guy's just going to be a Hall of Famer. I loved what he did last year. And I, even if things work out really well with Rodgers, short of a Super Bowl, it's not a success if he just retires in two years if they don't win a Super Bowl. Like, it's fun, and it does build a winning culture. But then they do have to go out and find another quarterback. They've drafted nine quarterbacks since 2009. They all suck. It's unbelievable. Before we say goodbye, 
I'm going to give you even more positive news. And I was listening this morning in my recovery to our pal Simmons and Rosillo. Uh, I did my Nick Euphoria. I mean, my Euphoria <laughs> was just off the off the charts yesterday. I mean, between the run, then the Nick game. Like everyone's like, JJ, you just ran 13 miles. You're taking a nap. I go, Are you kidding me? Nick's playing a playoff game. I'm not taking a nap. I'm like ramping it up to another level. They mentioned this. I didn't think about it, but it kind of speaks to how pathetic our franchise has been for 20 years. I think Bill said it. It was the best Knickerbocker weekend since 2000. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, they didn't have two games in a weekend in the 2013 postseason. Aside from that, they've won one playoff series in 20 years. So I guess fantasy by default, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, uh, RJ Barrett, finally showing you some redemption over the last two games. I'm with Simmons on that. Best New York weekend for basketball in 20 years. I did share this with him yesterday when we were talking about it. I had a euphoric weekend the Friday that they eliminated the Celtics in the first round in 2013 with that mellow team. They kind of cooked the Celtics. I wasn't a very good Celtics team, but that was on a Friday. And then that day I arrived in Montreal for a bachelor party. So we watched that game and then went off into the night. And that nice. was a good time. But it wasn't it wasn't a two-win weekend like we, we just had. Well, because if and, you remember, Fantasy, they played Indiana the Sunday. They had no time to enjoy that celebration. That's they right. They had to go play Indiana Sunday, and they were as flat as a pancake. Lost game one and didn't that really whole, recover that whole that series. That series is very painful for me, honestly, because that was, that was a, like a 54-win Knicks team. They should have been a much bigger contender that season. Anyhow, um, I there's just so much more to like, though. This is kind of very similar to the Jets situation, where... There's like six guys on this team under 26 years old, and they're incredibly exciting. I mean, it's not just that this, is, this isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning of something. And the one guy who has been a craw, like the, the, you know, digging into my side is Randall. And so watching Randall get benched and watching them thrive was fantastic. I was like, this, might be, this is the youngest competitive team in the league, barring maybe the team that they're playing, Cleveland. And the fact that they just have so much youth, that they're so exciting, that Brunson is just, He's just, you've been saying it for weeks on the show. I mean, he's all that and more. He is, he has already proven his worth tenfold for this team. He's already the most exciting point guard that they've had in generations. And he's clutch as a mother. It's amazing watching him in the fourth quarter in total control of the game. And frankly, it's just been heartwarming to see RJ step up the last two nights because I, after game two, I felt like I'd fully given up on him. It's been I was really right hard watching you. him. I was killing him. I'm like, enough of this guy. I don't want to see it. And, and you know this, Fantasy. New York crowds turn on a guy very quickly. I was there Friday night. He took the first shot. It went in. And it kind of like weirdly relaxed him where the crowd was like, all right, dude, we got your back. It wasn't like this every time he's shooting the ball. And it would have been if he missed his first couple of shots. There's no it doubt. It did feel like the crowd made a decision to psychologically support RJ, at least yesterday. You know, there was a, they were obviously way behind him. And, you know, what you saw yesterday, I think Tibbs had said it actually after game three. He was basically like, RJ going downhill is not guardable. He's huge and strong and lefty. Like, there's not a lot that defenders can do against him if he's going with confidence. So he's been going with confidence, and it's been really exciting. I mean, they're, they're up 3-1, and they're getting nothing from Randall and nothing from Quickly. This is amazing. No, it's crazy. And I love Thibodeau benching Randall yesterday. I it thought was it was great. so fantastic. It was the right move. watching a game and it's like, you got a good thing going. He's not getting after it. His offensive game is literally just yakking up threes. Stick with the guys who are playing well. And you know this fantasy. A lot of coaches would not have done that to an all-NBA player. Thibodeau, say what you want about him playing guys, which drives me nuts. And I have my critiques with Thibodeau. I am very happy with his tenure as New York Knickerbocker head coach. How can you not be? 
you can't complain now. I mean, that, this is another franchise that, you know, two years ago back in the, in the, when they made the playoffs and lost to the Hawks prior to that, they had not been to the playoffs for many, many years. So now this is another franchise that after a decade of effectively being obsolete, just feels back. The fact that they probably will win this series, the fact that they may even have a chance if the Heat are able to, to move on to the next round. I mean, that's just insane that they have a real legitimate chance at an Eastern Conference Finals. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but the fact that we're even thinking about this is extraordinary. And it's a young team. This is a really young team. We can't lose sight of that. They, this is a team that has drafted really well. I've, I'm, I've been critical. Like, I've not necessarily loved the Leon Rose phase, but like, look at all of the players that look are contributing Look at Hart, right now. fantasy. Hart was a fleecing. And, and Brunson, brilliant. listen, Brunson, they should have given him $300 million with what he's playing right now. He's a bargain. He deserves it. He's a bargain, look, whatever he's and making. We're, and we're rooting for Mitchell Robinson. We're rooting for Obi Toppin. We're rooting for Quentin Grimes. We're rooting for homegrown guys who worked their asses off that have like a little bit of the 90s Knicks era where they're obviously really stout and defensive-minded team, but with some flourishes of offense too. I mean, they're not an ugly team to watch play offense. So I don't know. It's I you can't complain about this season now. If they go to the second round, I'm like, that's great. That was all that I was going to be my final question. Is it obviously now you have to win this series? You can't lose this series. You're up three games to one against Cleveland. You got to get it done. Whether it's Wednesday, Friday, God forbid Sunday, you have to win this series. But is it house money? The rest of the way, I know it is for me. I know some Nick fans may say, mm, not so fast. Will you say, Sean Fennessy, if they win a playoff series, no matter what you see in the second round and beyond, it is house money for your Knicks? I, I can't answer the question cleanly because if Giannis is actually hurt and the Heat advance, I, I want the Knicks to beat the Heat. And I'm going to get really emotionally psychotic about it. They should. Because I hate they the should Heat beat the so Heat. much. Me too. And Butler is a motherfucker and I, I really want to see them beat him. But if the Bucks advance and Giannis is okay, I mean, what expectation can you really have of competing? No, they'll Milwaukee? be the, the Bucks will be minus six hundred, seven hundred yeah. in that series. Exactly, and, that would, and that's fine. That's okay. You're trying to get to the mountaintop. This is and the same thing we're talking about with Rodgers helping Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and AVT and Makai and all these guys get reps and playoff experience. The same thing is happening right now with with Grimes and with RJ and and with uh, Mitchell Robinson. So to me, it's gravy if you get past them and you run into the number one seed. Buddy, thanks for a few minutes. Uh, you got to get back here. I know you're you're busy right now. You got a lot cooking, pod world. You you got a fatherhood you got to deal with. But <laughs> you, it, how about this? If the Knicks somehow, some way make an Eastern Conference final, I, I need you and Simmons at the Garden for a game. I I have started to lay the groundwork with my wife about that one. So I like uh, that. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I like that. That's a great show on fantasy. Thanks for a few minutes, buddy. Thanks, JJ. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. Welcome into a special Monday edition of Twitter Spaces here on New York. New York was not expecting to be talking to anyone tonight. I, I thought I had a day free and clear. I thought it was going to be easy peasy. Not the case. You know the deal with Aaron Rodgers. He's now a Jet. But we got to get to what was a dreadful, and I mean a dreadful night, at Madison Square Garden for the New York Rangers. This series is now knotted at two games apiece. 
the Devils go and win game four by the score of three to one. And, you know, Ryan Callahan said it best right before I was leaving for SNY. He made this point on the ESPN postgame show. And, and I wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. The Rangers looked like a team that was playing game 50-something of their regular season. They looked a step slow. They had absolutely nothing out of the gate, which is amazing to me. You lose a game in overtime, you would think you'd be rip-roaring second game at home. No, they looked as flat as a freaking pancake. The Rangers looked as flat as anything to start off this game. And then sure enough, Hughes gets the breakaway, scores the goal, and you're playing from behind, basically going into the third period. But I have to admit, I was suckered into the idea of hearing Coach Gallant remount his team to Emily Kaplan, which, by the way, coaches normally never give you anything in those interviews. Those interviews are usually the biggest waste of time uh, uh, imaginable. He ripped his team. He ripped his team. They score a goal. And I'm like, all right, Trocek, 1-1. Rangers going to find a way to win this game. And it doesn't happen. Listen, credit the Devils. They made the goaltender change to Schmidt. And Schmidt has given him a spark for whatever the reason. He has not looked phased. He's played poised. Uh, I, I know it's probably given some Ranger fans flashback to uh, Louis Domingue last year in the first round against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the Rangers went from a team that was unstoppable. You know, and I'm not a hockey expert. So, like, I, I asked a lot of my hockey guys, I go, I explain this to me. Explain this to me like I'm an idiot. Please, how do the Rangers go from being unstoppable in the first two games of this series. They are unstoppable on the power play. They are unstoppable scoring goals, getting their offense going, getting everything in order. And then they proceed to be as lifeless as they've been in the next two games of this series. It's puzzling, folks. It's really, really puzzling. So now the Rangers have surrendered home ice. And home ice, let's be honest, has been jack shit in the series. The Devils lost two games on their home ice. Now the Rangers have lost two games on their home ice. So we got ourselves a series. There's no getting around that. It is 2-2. It is anybody's series. And if you're a Devil fan, you're saying, hey, we got a new lease on life. And I'm sure there are going to be some very tense New York Rangers fans walking around New York City and walking around the Tri-State area after pounding their chest, and listen, I have a buddy of mine, old colleague of mine, who's basically sweeping the broom after the first two games of the series. You got to be careful with that. My buddy, Sean Moresh, you don't touch the money. I'll give you a perfect example. You see me dancing on the grave of the Cleveland Cavaliers? No, I'll do that if the Knicks win in five games. I don't like touching the money. Hey, there are some people who will touch the money. Good for them. They're a bunch of fools. You're asking for karma to come and spit you right in the freaking face. You don't do it. You don't do it. It's a bad, bad look. Bad, bad look. So good for the Devils. You know, they were getting spit on after losing the first two games at home. They have shut down the range of power play. They made the goaltender change. It worked. And now we got ourselves a series for game number five coming up on Thursday. What will be a jam-packed Thursday with the NFL draft. And hopefully we're talking about the second round Knicks series. Or we're talking about game six at the Garden on Friday night. So a lot will be transpiring. Look, uh, as far as this Rogers trade, before we get to some calls, the Jets had to do it. Perfect world, you're not giving up a conditional first in next year's draft. 
Who cares about the second they gave up this year? Who cares about the pick swap? They needed a quarterback. They needed Aaron Rodgers. Like, if he plays well, you're not going to care. You're not going to care. And if he plays 60% of the snaps and they're in the playoffs and the pick is in the late 20s next year, you'll be all right with the idea of surrendering a first-round pick. And, and I got to be honest, with the whole Rodgers scenario, I'm just glad it's over. I am just so relieved. I don't have to have Jeff Fins in my life. Oh, when is it happening? When is this getting done? Is this getting done? Is he going elsewhere? I'm so glad I don't have to deal with this anymore. And now we can focus on what's going to be a behemoth in the AFC and in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills, who have won the division each of the last three years, and my upstart, spunky Miami Dolphins, who everybody, mark my words, is going to be sleeping on going into the year, which is just the way I like it. Please, please, please. Nobody picked the Dolphins to win a division. Everybody picked the Bills. Everybody picked the Jets. Go right ahead. Do it. Nobody picked my team. Let everybody get on the Rodgers bandwagon. Let everybody get on the Buffalo bandwagon. Oh, this is going to be there. Please. Please. That's what I'm rooting for. That's what I'm hoping for. But in all seriousness, the AFC East is going to be awesome this year. And for what it's worth, I expect all three of these teams to be in the playoffs. And if they are not in the playoffs, that to me is going to be a bit of disappointment. Uh, before we get to calls, nice effort from the Yankees tonight. I mean, you just knew Sonny Gray and Joey Gallo, two of my favorites, going to ram it up the Yankees, wreck them. And that's exactly what they did. The Yankees got some problems. You know, I walked in and I'm getting asked about Anthony Volpe. I'm like, Anthony Volpe, how about the bottom of this order tonight? Cordero, Cabrera, Jose Trevino, who has not hit at all, and Aaron Hicks. That, to me, is the issue with the New York Yankees. They can't hit. And where is Rodon? Not going to see him till late June. Where is Severino? No Bader till early May. No Stanton until the end of May. Yankees got some problems. Going to be seven games out of first place. Don't want to get nuts. Winning the division, not as important as it used to be, but problems. Make no mistake, problems. All right, let's get to some calls. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, I didn't expect to be doing this, but we're doing it nonetheless. Uh, our buddy Matt uh, in Huntington, I'm sure he is not particularly pleased about his beloved New York Rangers, but Matt, the floor is yours. Take it away. How we doing? Good to hear from you. Uh, first off, congrats on that half marathon, man. Great work. Better man than I getting that done. <clears throat> well, I appreciate that, Matty. Listen, we're feeling it today. We're paying the price today. But as I said last night, you got to embrace the suck, baby. We embraced the suck. We did so in a big way. So anyway, over to the Rangers. You know, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words tonight. Listen, not because... The Rangers gave up two in a row. You know, even that happens sometimes. Last night's game was an overtime. I didn't think they played, I mean, uh, the last game. I didn't think they played particularly bad. But tonight, nothing. Lifeless. I mean, their top six, lifeless out there. Nobody moving. Nobody skating. Nobody hitting. The Garden was lifeless. Well, I mean, it's dead. And you know what? I don't, let's, let's be real about the Garden now for a second, Maddie. How could anybody blame the fans? What did the Rangers give them to cheer about? And McDonough brought it up in the broadcast multiple times throughout the course of the night that it was the quietest he's heard Madison Square Garden in his years of doing a game at Madison Square Garden. Well, from the minute the puck dropped, Matt, they took you completely out of the game. Out, out of it. Out of it 100%. And the Rangers had no answer. I mean, you could even see 
Igor firing pucks up the ice. He's the only guy out there that that's feeling it. He's trying to get the offense going himself. That's the goalie. I just don't know. I don't know where Mika's been. Kreider has two shots in the last two games. He's kind of disappeared. Panarin doing nothing. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but they better regroup and regroup quick. Maybe getting back on the road is what they need. And maybe, Maddie, they got to get back into that hotel and they got to have the exact same approach they had in game number one and game number two. I was very surprised to hear that from Gerard Gallant that, you know, you're playing the games in Newark, New Jersey. I'm like, all right, their engine's going to stay at home. They're going to, you know, sleep in their own beds. They wanted the feel of being on the road in the postseason. And listen, it, it worked brilliantly for them because they went and dominated the first two games of this series. Well, now they've been punched in the mouth here. They lost an overtime game on Saturday night where they scored first. They allowed the Devils to get back in the game and the Devils won in overtime. And this game, they were thoroughly outplayed. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed. The Devils wanted it more. They out-executed the Rangers. The Rangers did nothing on the power play. And, you know, I was talking with a couple of Ranger people I like, and they mentioned this to me. Got to win the face-offs on the power play. I mean, if not, you're killing yourself. You're killing yourself losing 15, 20 seconds. One of the Ranger people I was talking to, my pal, the great young Brian McKeon, he joins us. Welcome pal, to a uh, Ranger Twitter spaces. I know you're not in good spirits. No, I'm not. Um, th- this is as embarrassing of a playoff performance as I've seen uh, in a while of this last run in the last decade. Here's the problem, too, and you made this point to me when we were texting separately, that they were playing more of the Devils, st- the Rangers, Devils were playing more of the Rangers style of hockey and still beating the Rangers. But what bothered me with this is the goals the Devils score were both on the rush. So they got their goals where they're good, like Jack Hughes in the breakaway, Siegenthaler on the rush on a two-on-one. They got their goals at where at what they're good, and then once they took the lead, they were suffocating in the neutral zone. The Rangers couldn't get a single puck in the zone. I mean, that, that second period was as lifeless of a hockey period for a home team as you're ever going to see. So, I mean, maybe getting on the road is, 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 a, is a better sign for them, but it seems like the Devils, all the confidence that they had lost in games one and two, all the shakiness they looked like they had, all of the youth that was showing early on in this series that you thought the Rangers were just going to kill them because of the, the experience advantage they had, that looks like it's all gone. The Devils have all the confidence now. There's something to that, Brian. And listen, you now have given a young team, and I know they have Palat there, and I know they have Timo Meyer there, but for the most part, let's be honest, this is an incredibly young and an incredibly inexperienced Devil team. I'm sure there was a lot of soul-searching. When you get smoked the way that they did on the first two games, home ice, you got to go to Madison Square Garden. You know what the environment is at Madison Square Garden. I'm sure that is going to be a very giddy bus ride, train ride, whatever the hell they're doing to get back to their homes around you know the arena in New Jersey or not. That is going to be a fired-up devil team. And the Rangers better rediscover the magic they had on the power play what they did so brilliantly in the first two games of this series. And, and Brian, if they go and lose game five, then it's going to feel like the walls are crumbling under you, even if you have game six at home. And, and I don't want to hear the excuse, too, because you, you kept hearing people, oh, sometimes it's better to get away from home, right? And I agree with that. There is a little bit of added pressure when you're home and when your crowd's going crazy. There's a little bit of that added sense of pressure because you want to try and perform for your home crowd. I hear that. But that's an excuse for me for the Rangers getting off to game three in the first 10 minutes to a slow start. That works for me then. But last year, the Rangers were dominant at home. They, they, they won every game at home last year in the postseason other than the first game against the Penguins, which they lost in triple overtime. So I really don't love hearing the excuse of, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're at home. They're gonna, that doesn't work for me. It really doesn't. 
Well, and here's a big problem too, Brian. If you're thinking about the bigger picture with this team, right now, this series is very much in doubt. It's anybody's freaking series again. You know, the Rangers were like minus 550 on the series price going into game three. They were still a significant favorite tonight going into game four. That now is out the window. I bet you the series price is similar to what it was before game one. I wouldn't even be surprised. Maybe, uh, maybe a little lower. Maybe they'll give the Rangers a little bit more respect and, and they'll put it at like even money, give or take. But the point being is this. We thought maybe this would be the year the Rangers go and have themselves an easy first round series with the way the first two games went. You know, if you're thinking about, well, I, exactly, Brian, that's the thing. This team never plays an easy first round series. You give me the team over the years, the Ottawa Senators, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, you go through the history of the Rangers of the last decade playing in the playoffs. It always seems like that first round series is nitty gritty down at a wire. You've always said to me, like, you're not this big hockey, but you, you start watching in the postseason. So I know you can, you can give credibility to this. They, they make it difficult every single year in the postseason. Every year. And, and Brian, listen, I know it because I'm watching these playoff games. And every time we're talking about the first round, it's basically a foregone conclusion that we're talking about a seven-game series. And if your goal is down the road, hey, I want to beat the Boston Bruins. I want to win a Stanley Cup. You can't sit there and tell me it's a good thing that you're playing extra games here in the first round. It's not a good thing. It's not. And that, that's the thing, too, is I was laughing at Ranger fans who going into this, after, after games one and two, you know, we're putting the brooms out. Oh, they're going to finish it in gentlemen's sweep, hopefully. They, have you watched this team at all of the last decade? Have you watched this team at all of your whole life? One of the Rangers, for their fans or for, for the sport of hockey, ever made anything easy. The Rangers, are the, they love to make it difficult. It's always got to go. The Rangers are the team that blows 3-1 leads. The Rangers are the team that has to get a team back involved. In a, the Rangers, they spent up 4 nothing in a game, and, and somehow the game ends 4-3. They always have to make your heart pound a little more. They always have to make it a little more difficult. For the, the Ranger fans that had the... And the, the gall and the arrogance to think that just because you went up 2-0, you're playing a team that finished with 112 points this year. You had to think they'd figure something out at some point. To have the gall to think that they were going to sweep a series against a team that you struggled against all year, that finished ahead of you in the standings, that you were just going to blow right by them and get me to the Bruins, get me to the Canes, get me to the Islanders. I mean, give me a break. It's like people I didn't watch this team ever before. Well, Brian, here we go. Yet another year. Appreciate it as always, pal where the Rangers are in a dogfight in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, would it shock anybody? I know it's going to feel like the abyss if they lose game five, but knowing their MO in this first round, watch the Rangers lose game five, win six and seven. Wouldn't shock me because I've seen it over the years. I've seen it. Uh, I'm sure a very fired up and a very giddy Kenny in Staten Island, New York. He's up next. Kenny, welcome in. How are you, pal? Pretty good. I called this jet trade. I had it basically right on the money with the uh, with the compensation. Uh, I'm glad it happened. It's finally over. Now the Jets can concentrate on the draft. I got a strange feeling what happened with the uh, with this trade. I think the the NFL put pressure on the Packers and the Jets to get. Oh, there's no doubt, Kenny. Listen to me. There's no doubt. They know that schedule comes out the second week of May, and they got the geniuses at Park Avenue working on it right now as we speak. And if Aaron Rodgers is on the New York Jets, listen, we're talking about primetime games. We're talking about Monday night games. We're talking about Sunday 425 games, whether it's against Buffalo or it's against my team or it's against uh, the Giants or whoever it may be. Well, Thanksgiving's a lock. Hey, get ready now, Jet fans. The Jets and Aaron Rodgers will be in Big D on CBS with Tony Romo and Jim Nance doing the game against the Dallas Cowboys. That is an absolute stone cold lock. 
So yeah, Kenny, listen, whether that's fair or unfair, I 100% believe in that narrative that the league is saying, hey, guys, we know this is getting done. Enough with the bullshit. Let's, let's get it done for everybody's sanity. And on the compensation side, it's, it's, it's a good trade for both teams. You know, the Jets needed a quarterback. You couldn't go into this season with God, goddamn Gardner Minshew or anybody else. And for all those Niner fans out there with the pipe dreams, I already laid into my brother who's a Niner fan that, that Rodgers go, was going to the Niners. It was never happening. That was, a sm- well, that was a whole lot to do about nothing, Kenny. Listen, that was a whole lot to do about nothing. Well, here's the problem. I'll tell you what it is, Kenny. We live in this world now where if information does not come out to the liking of certain people, they want to run with narratives just to have something to say. Like, that's what it bought. People were bored. You know, people were bored. So Aaron Rodgers wasn't a Jet. Therefore, let's draw up a rumor that all of a sudden, oh, the Niners are going to be involved. Oh, this team's going to be involved. Please, nonsense, nonsense, total nonsense. And I'll call him out. Craig Carton, you threw shit on the wall again and didn't fucking stick. I'll call him out like I did on FAN when I called him two weeks ago and I told him, stop with the bullshit rumors that you got sources with the Niners. You got nothing. I said, the trade's going to the Jets, so stop with your Niners talk, Carton. So I'll, I'll call him out right there. And, and listen, quickly on the hockey, uh, I'm a big hockey guy too. I'm an Islander fan. The NHL is known in the past for teams that are down 2-0, 3-1. They're the most comebacks of any of any of the four major sports where teams come back from big deficits, you know, down two games, three games to one, two games to none. So I'm keeping my fate with the Islanders, hopefully steal one tomorrow night and get it back to the Coliseum or whatever, UBS, get it back there and we'll take our shots. But And JJ, you'll like this. I'm actually going Thursday night to Vegas Knights, Winnipeg Jets, uh, Ooh, that is Kenny. That is that is stellar right there. You're in Vegas. The Vegas Gold Knights are playing. You might as well go and uh, check out the game right after the NFL draft. Hopefully it times out and sinks out perfectly for you right after the uh, Jets go and make their pick. You do see the comebacks in hockey. Islanders winning three games in a row in this series, though, is going to be asking a lot. It's going to be asking a lot. Uh, Cole is up next. I'll give Cole a moment. Cole, get in here. How we doing? Hey, JJ. Um... Before we go into hockey and basketball, let's just say the Yankees, I wouldn't watch them today. It sucked. And, and Sonny Gray and Joey Gallo just said to us tonight that says, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's go to another fucking team and destroy the New York Yankees. Because Joe Gallo was awful in New York. Everyone was saying, why is he in the lineup? He has six home runs. This Well, he hits home runs. Listen, Cole, that's what it boils down to with Gallo. Gallo is a guy who hits the ball out of the ballpark. He's done that everywhere in his big league career. He's going to hit 200, but he's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He didn't do enough of that with the Yankees and hit 150 to the point where he was unplayable. Totally unplayable. Uh, let's head to the commish. He joins us next. Commish, uh, welcome in. I screwed that up on my end. How you doing, my friend? What's happening? JJ, come on. You don't need makeup before you go on TV. You look great. Well, I appreciate that, David, but I do. I do because otherwise you look washed. That's the problem. You look you look washed because of your skin pigment. You need the uh, you need the, the the light. You need the color. You know, especially. Especially with the high def, right? <laughs> um, listen, JJ, 
terrible job by the Rangers tonight, and and what a, what an abomination of a lineup tonight for the Yankees. I, I, I get it; they're playing the youngsters, but there there are five automatic outs in a row. It's just it's ridiculous. It's a weak lineup, and that's why I went into SNY tonight, and I'm hearing about Anthony Volpe. I'm like Anthony Volpe. I, I go listen, say what you want about Anthony Volpe. The batting average ain't great. He's still one of the more productive Yankee hitters. They have automatic outs. Cordero, the, the clock has struck midnight on Cordero. Cabrera, listen, I love the kid. He's been terrible. Oswald Cabrera has been terrible to start off this year. And, and Hicks, don't get me started. I, why is Hicks on this team? You know, this is where the Yankees completely dropped the ball in not getting themselves an outfielder. They absolutely needed to get themselves an outfielder and completely drop the ball. Good. And, and, and Cashman? And Steinbrenner have egg on their face, and I hope they live with it. I hope they have these. I hope they have these these terrible blowouts when the Yankees lose because it's 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 all on them. It, exactly what you said. The failure uh, to upgrade this lineup, the failure to upgrade this team. You can't. You're not going to win three two every night. Not not in today's in Major League Baseball. It's not happening. Yeah, and they're in a weird position because Stanton's not coming back anytime soon. Rodon is not coming back anytime soon. Remember, Rodon was supposed to be this monster move that was going to take the Yankees to another level this season. That was their big move in saying, hey, this is how we're closing the gap with the Astros. The problem is the teams in a division, they're hungry. Tampa Bay is hungry. Toronto is hungry. Baltimore is hungry. It's not going to be an easy division for the Yankees. And at this rate, it's going to be a really tough division for them to win. Let's head to our pal Bradley. He joins us next. He uh, joins us here on this Surprise Monday show. What's happening, Bradley? JJ, what's going on, man? Bradley, all good. What's up, dude? Hey, let's, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the negative for about tonight. The Rangers, they just blew it again. I mean, it feels like same old way, like, away from them. Not ready to panic, though. I think uh, they have to respond if they don't. I mean, the series is good. The series is going to get ugly for them going forward. Can't lose this series, Bradley. You cannot lose this series after taking a 2-0 lead, after dominating the Devils the way that they did. Um, but they've been punched in the mouth here. So much for the thought of this being an easy, uh, run-of-the-mill, first-round series. Rangers are going to be tested a little bit here. Yes, I got you, Bradley. But they're going to be tested. Uh, let's head to our pal, Elmhurst. Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Uh, JJ, uh, before I... I like need to vent. Uh, I know the Yankees been in trouble. This offense stinks. We got problems in the schedule. Tough schedule coming up. Uh, right now, it's on, uh, in terms of offense, it's just dead. I can't stand watching that. But let me lay the hammer right now. This fucking Miami Heat just don't die! I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Like the Charlie, Charlie, let me tell you something, though. As Jimmy Butler goes for 56 points, this is a good thing, Charlie. I know you might have lost a couple of bucks in your FanDuel account tonight, so my condolences for that. But I ask you this question, Charlie and Elmhurst. Would you rather the New York Knickerbockers play Giannis and the Bucks, or would you rather the Knicks have home court advantage and take on the Miami Heat? I ask you that question right now, Mr. Woodside, Mr. Elmhurst. That's that that is the valid point, but now I'm probably that is my counter, and I understand you lost money tonight, so you're ticked off. And watching Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler hit some of the most ridiculous shots you're ever gonna see, Charlie. But if I'm an if you're a Nick fan out there, and I know there are many of you listening, go heat. Because not only that, Charlie, I could think about making a road trip down to South Florida 
and, and maybe me and some of those attractive women in the all white could be hanging out at a Nick playoff game. Oh yeah, but I mean the the Bucks had a one hundred one eighty nine B, and the Heat finished up a thirty to thirteen one. I mean, my God! Like now, I'm like, I'm giving the uh, Heat even plus eleven on on the road. I mean, I, why not? I mean, the, because of, because what is that? That's the only parlay that I was like, I, it got busted as soon as Giannis went down game one. Other parlay, other, you know, I include multiple series parlay. It worked last year, but now, goddamn, Miami Heat, these damn cockroaches, cat with nine. They're cockroaches, man. You can't kill them. And remember, they're playing right now, Charlie, without Tyler Hero. That's one of their big players. That's one of their big shooters. And, and if you look at Miami, let's be honest, you look at the box score right now for the Heat. Appreciate it as always, pal. They were a one-man show tonight. I mean, at a bio game, 15, quiet. Vincent game 10, quiet. Martin game 12, all right, he played well off the bench. They won this game because Jimmy Butler put the team on his back. He's an incredible player. He's an incredible, incredible player. Let's take two more and then I got to go. Uh, let's head to Blake, who joins us. Blake, welcome in. How we doing, bud? New York nonsense going on if you had a chance to see Butler because, geez, watching that tonight. He had 21 of the team's last 32 points in the last seven and a half minutes after he came off the bench. And early in the game, because he did honestly nothing in the middle, but he had 22 in the first quarter as well and 21 in the fourth. I mean, he was there when they needed him. And that guy, like your boss, Mr. Simmons says there, that zombie heat, so glad the Celtics avoided them because I know it looked... Oh, I can understand that, Blake. Listen, you're so right about that. The difference between getting Atlanta and Miami in the first round is night and day. Now, I still think the Celtics would have found a way to beat Miami, and I still look at Boston. Listen, I think you have to right now with Miami pushing Milwaukee to the brink and the Celtics being in the NBA Finals last year. You would say, all right, by default, they're the team to beat in the East, but we are one win away from Miami and one win away from my Knicks to being four games away, potentially, to start discussing the possibility. Wouldn't it be something, Blake, if we had ourselves a Nick? Celtic Eastern Conference Finals. And let me tell you something, Blake. There is no pressure. Zero, zero, zero pressure on the Knicks if they get through to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they've played well against the Celtics this year. They've played well against them. I was going to say, you play our wings very well. Your team is a lot like a young Miami. Your defense is very good the way that Miami's defense, even though they gave up 114 pro Lopez Bank, didn't call it, uh, shot. But your boy Raheem covered with that bank. I don't know if you noticed that. And uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler, his defense. But those young Knicks, they got that kind of young zombie feel that the Heat got. I would be ready for them to even beat Miami or beat Miami or Milwaukee because either one, you're getting after probably seven games. Well, listen, I I understand that. But the first thing, Blake, and I appreciate it, pal. The Knicks got to take care of Cleveland on Wednesday or on Friday. First things first. Can we dare to dream a little bit, though? Mm, yeah. It's now in front. That possibility of a Heat-Nick second-round series. You want to talk about bringing me back to my childhood. Holy smokes. Nick's to the Heat. And I'm going to South Florida if that series happens. I already got a place to stay. I got nothing to worry about. I am going to South Florida. I don't know when the games will be, but I will work it out. I mean, listen. Anytime I have an excuse to go to South Florida, it's it's tough to say no. I mean. It's just tough to say no. All right, let's take one more. 
We wrap it up with the legend himself, Jeff Money in Queens, ready to roll. Hello, Jeff Money. What up, JJ? Money, welcome. How are you, my friend? Everything's going into place for the Knickerbockers. Now with the Heat winning that uh, great win today, going up three to one, just like well, it sure is. As long as as long as the Knicks do what they are supposed to do, and they take care of business, that's the key. Well, you know, percentage wise, I know it's not always ninety five percent chance. Usually, when this goes in this situation, so if everything goes the way it should go, uh, it should be the Heat and the uh, and the Knicks in the next round. You know, but far from all, we still got to beat out Cleveland. So. Uh, well, and listen, Milwaukee will have an opportunity at home to get this series back for game six. And Milwaukee could go and win a game six in Miami. The question is, is Giannis 100% right? That's going to be the overarching question now is they got a lot of basketball to play and they have absolutely no margin for error. Zero. Now, tonight we're both on the Lakers. Right now they just took the lead. They're up, well, they're up by six right now, but it's early. So. I am on the Los Angeles Lakers. That is correct. That is a play for me. Tomorrow the games are terrible, Jeff Money. I'm looking right now. I can't make a case for Atlanta, Minnesota, or the Clippers. If I had to bet one of those teams right now, I would probably take Minnesota, and I absolutely hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably the opposite on that one. But the only one I gave an edge to that I like was the Nugget. I just don't like it being nine and a half, but uh, I'm probably going to pick the Nugget for tomorrow. And uh, and on Wednesday, I mean, if I'm going to pick a game, only because I figure it might be a little bit of a letdown, I'll probably pick the Cavaliers at the five-and-a-half mark. Uh, but that it's a tough game. That's a tough game also. Those 3-1 spots are very tricky because you're always trying to figure out the motivation, right? And what is the motivation for a team like Cleveland that now has lost two games in a row? They return home. Uh, are they going to be able to snap out of it is the million-dollar question. Uh, we've seen instances where that team down 3-1 has a monster performance. They win by 20 points. We also see them at times tell you, you know what, it ain't meant to be. And you see the road team go and win. The Knicks were in that position two years ago against the Atlanta Hawks. Appreciate it as always, Jeff Money. And guess what? They found a way. Atlanta did to end that series in five. All right. Usually we end with Jeff Money. Throwing you off here. Justin in Floral Park. I know he's pissed about his Rangers. Isn't that accurate, sir? A hundred percent, JJ. Death taxes and the Rangers going six, seven games every fucking year, bro. It's unbelievable. It's just like... I, I... And you thought this was going to be the... And let's be honest, Justin. You thought this was going to be the year where we'd be partying. At the very least, they'd split these two games and it'd be 3-1 going back to New Jersey. Absolutely. But JJ, this is, uh, you know, they just don't have an answer for these rookie goalies. I don't know what it is. Well, Schmidt, listen, give Lindy Ruff and give the Devils credit. They make the switch after game two, and the kid has played really well. You know, he has not looked phased. They're not getting those same looks in front of the net that we're getting in the first two games of the series. I think you got to be mindful. You got to be aware of that. And listen, Justin, your power play, which was unstoppable in the first two games, the power play for the Rangers has been non-existent in game three and game four. Zero. Chasing too much. They're not forechecking enough. It's just, they. it's a totally different series. And, you know, I don't know if they're just tight at home or what's going on. Maybe they play better on the road. I know the Devils are a very good road team. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, not good. And, you know, the guy I'm pictured with here, Mika Zibadajad, he better show the hell up because he's missing an action, man. He's done absolutely nothing in this series. Well, listen, if you remember with Mika, though, very quiet start to last year's postseason and then exploded. He exploded at the end of the Pittsburgh series, 
And then he got going against Carolina, and he continued to play well and really was the best Ranger player throughout that postseason run after game one, two, and three against Pittsburgh. Listen, the Devils right now are a problem. That's what it boils down to. That's a young team. They got kicked in the groin. They got embarrassed on home ice, and they have now responded. Listen, now the Rangers have to respond. This is anybody. The bottom line now, Justin, this is anybody's serious. That's the way I see it. Anybody's serious. Um, you know, as far as the Knicks go, man, loving what I'm seeing. It's it's old school Nick basketball, playing defense, grinding it out, hitting a lot of threes. And uh, we'll see, JJ. I can't get giddy, but man, if this, if this lines up for us to play Miami, if they get by, oh, man, JJ, this is going to be a remarkable spring uh, for the Knicks. Oh, my goodness. To have the Knicks possibly in the second round, Justin, of the playoffs, taking on the bitter rival. And I'm a child of the 90s. I detest the Miami Heat from the Ewing Alonzo morning days to getting robbed in that P.J. Brown, Charlie Ward scuffle under the basket. That was Ewing's best chance outside of 1993 and 94, of course, of winning an NBA championship. Don't think they would have got by Chicago anyway. But that bothers me to this day. I would love to go and stick it up the heats there here. I would absolutely love every minute of that. So we'll see if they cooperate against Milwaukee, but more importantly, the Knicks got to cooperate against Cleveland. We will be taking Tuesday off unless, you know, something catastrophic happens. Hopefully it does not. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday. Game five reaction. Knicks and the Cavaliers. Then we have our NFL draft and a game five Ranger devil pod coming up on Thursday. So... We don't stop. I got gambling pods coming tomorrow with the East Coast Bias Boys. We don't stop. Good job, Stefan. Enjoy your Tuesday. JJ out. Be good, everybody.